The internet changed everything for sales and marketing. Artificial intelligence is going to change everything again. Welcome to AI for Sales, a show that looks at how artificial intelligence is changing sales. Join noted author, speaker, and AI for Sales expert Chad Burmeister as he interviews cutting-edge founders, CEOs, CROs, CMOs, other business executives, and AI experts on the weekly AI for Sales podcast. Join the AI for Sales revolution. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this version of AI for Sales podcast. I'm Rich Blakeman, your host, and I am thrilled to have with me a friend and an expert in if we were going to talk about having the word sales in our podcast, much less the words AI. Our guest today is on top of both on the largest scale that you could imagine from working with the largest companies that exist. So I am glad to welcome Steve Bonfasudo to our cat to our podcast. And Steve, if you could introduce yourself, tell folks who you are and uh, what you're up to, then we'll just jump right in. Sounds great, Rich. Thank you so much for the nice words. Good afternoon. Good morning, everyone. I'm Steve Bonvasudo. I'm the vice president of the Innovation Center at MarketSource. MarketSource is a sales outsourcing organization. We help some of the biggest brands in the world sell their products. My role is to work with our sales teams and apply engineering and technology principles to help them hit their quota. You know, that's a pretty concise purpose statement as to what you're doing and why you're doing it. Not many people can get that down into that concise a sentence. How long did that take you? To master that statement? I don't know. I could have rambled on a long time, Rich, for a long, long time, Rich. You know me. But I figured (laughs) we'd get to it. This is less about me and more about how folks could leverage technologies. All right. Well, we're going to start a different place than technology. We're going to start a little bit different. And you and I trust each other. We've worked together long enough to trust each other. So I'm going to ask you for a trust moment here. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to think about six-year-old Steve. We're just coming out of the end of the summer. You've been out of school for several months. You've been with your friends in the neighborhood. Think about and imagine what is it that at six years old, what did you like to do best? What were the things that made you the happiest? What were the things that you and your friends did together that made you feel best about yourself and about what you were doing? And open your eyes and tell us about that. Well, you know, at that age, and that was a long time ago for me, Rich, so it's uh, difficult to go back yeah. that far sometimes, you, you know? So. You can't put that one on me, pal. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was all about having fun. You know, for me, I don't ever remember spending time indoors as a kid. For me, it was always about being outside and being with my friends and lived in a neighborhood that was a very safe neighborhood. And, um, you know, we were always outside doing things on uh, sports-related things, really, playing and, and that sort of thing. So I would say at age six, it was probably hide-and-seek with my friends. So that kind of free time and play time and every day a new adventure and 
whose house am I going to go to today? Or who's coming to my house? And where are we all going together? And as long as we get home by supper time, we're all good. That kind of freedom and enthusiasm and energy, how does that translate into the Steve of today? And how do those same things affect who you are today? That's a good question. You know, I think for me, Rich, it's um, there are things that I get to do in my job that I'm passionate about. For the most part, I love what I do and I have a great sense of freedom and I have a great sense of autonomy. And being a little kid, you know, you get out of the house and you're out there with your friends and there's just this feeling of being free. And so for me, and I think it translates to sales, honestly, you know, most people that I know of that are really successful in sales love sales because it's fun, it's energizing, it's challenging, it's rewarding, and there's a sense of freedom that comes with it. And so for me, just being able to be who I am and feel good about it is maybe the connection between age six and where I am today. As I've gotten to this point in my career, for me, it's really all about helping others. And I didn't have that at age six, but I certainly do at this point in my career. And so being able to help salespeople hit their number and achieve their objectives and earn more money and have more opportunities is the thing that you know, inspires me the most. And, you know, and I think it's sort of a freeing in some respect. I think about our, we were having a bit of a conversation before we started this afternoon. And part of that conversation was around a very important deal that I know your company is working on and that you and the rest of the executive team are all involved in some fashion or another as well, getting updates on from the guy that's leading the charge. And that's a little bit like the same thing. It's what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a new day. How are we going to react to what's going on? And it's not just going and doing the same thing the same way every day. That's exactly right. You know, we've got 50 or so outsourced sales teams, some inside teams, some field teams, combination of inside and field. We, as you know, Rich, you know, here at Market Source, we leverage technologies, including AI and predictive technologies to um, gain an advantage, find an edge, close more deals. And there's always something to learn and there's always someone to help. And that's the fun part about this company. And if you think about it in the simplest terms, we help people find work. And work is a big part of our lives. It's a third of our lives, you know, if you count the number of hours in the day, right? So it's always a challenge. You never know what you're going to get, you know, as you alluded to. Let's talk a little bit about the kinds of AI that your firm, because, I mean, you're on the leading edge of all kinds of different sorts of sales development and all levels of the funnel. And, you know, everything from inside sales to key account sales to generic territory sales, what areas of selling have you found AI to have the most impact on in terms of either results or in terms of just process improvement because of the kind of business you're in as an outsourcer and a heavy focus on process? Where have the levers been for you? You know, we started looking at AI and sales, my gosh, probably five years ago. 
because we use a term, a sports term here relative to hockey. We wanted to be where the puck is going. Um, Wayne Gretzky. Yep. We didn't want to chase it. We wanted to be there. And we went in. I wouldn't say we dove in, but we stepped in. And one of the things that I think about a lot from working with me, we use this term red time, green time a lot here, Mm -hmm. right? And so red time obviously is the tasks that a salesperson performs that don't lead to sales results, that they're just administrative tasks that they have to do. So I look at it and how can I apply AI, how can I apply predictive technologies and how can I provide learnings and patterns to help a salesperson have more green time than red time in the sales process. And if you think about the very top of the funnel, we all know now that B2B sales, which is my area of focus, is very different now than it was you know, years ago, even just a couple of years ago. There's a lot more people involved in the buying process today than ever before. We think there's, from what we see, and again, we sell our services to large organizations, and there's a lot of personas involved in that buying process, including IT, which a lot of people look at and go, why is IT involved in sales? Well, IT is involved in sales because technology is one of the levers you pull to help a salesperson get more effective. And so our clients, IT organizations are very interested in how this technology is going to evolve and impact their environment. So We know that there's a lot of people involved in the buying process today. We also know that buyers are much more educated today than ever before. And they've already done a ton of research before you're even having your first conversation with them. And so at the very top of the funnel, we look for things like intent. And so who's looking in this space? And we want to get to them early in the buying process. And so there's one way that AI and things like intent data can help us identify people that are out there searching for the kinds of services that we provide. And we also use, you know, I wouldn't say it's AI, but we also use technologies to find out who else in their organization, based on our experience, uh, could we reach out to and engage with early in the process. So I think what AI and technology allows us to do is find more personas and find more personas that are involved early in the buying process so that we can engage them early on and have a chance to make that impact. We also know that salespeople spend a lot of times, especially for a sales outsourcer like MarketSource, oftentimes we're given a list of accounts to call on from a client and a lot of dirty data in there, a lot of inaccurate data in there. And so, you know, reps can spend a lot of cycles just figuring out what part of the data set is no good anymore, right? And so we can utilize AI to make more dials more quickly and find out where the accuracy is in the data. And so for us, it's all about that first conversation and that first conversation being a high-quality conversation. We want more at-bat. We want more conversations, and we want less time cleaning data and making a bunch of phone calls and leaving a bunch of emails or leaving a bunch of voicemails. For us, it's a necessary evil, but if we can apply some automation to that, we do that in every opportunity that we get. Thank you for tuning in to the AI for Sales podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Scalex.ai, Pipeline as a Service, and BDR.ai, always on prospecting for LinkedIn. Visit www.scalex.ai if you want to transform your top of funnel prospecting machine, or visit www.bdr.ai 
if you want to hire a virtual BDR to do LinkedIn prospecting for you for just $500 a month. You know, there's a couple of things that jump out at me about things you said, Steve. Probably my strongest mentor in my career was Bob Miller, the founder of Miller Hyman. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is a foundational part of his belief is that when you prioritize where a salesperson ought to spend time, the first and highest priority is at the bottom of the funnel, things that are just about to close. But as soon as you've spent whatever time you need to spend at things that are about to close, the second most important place to spend time is at the top of the funnel. You don't work your way up the funnel and work on next to the bottom of the funnel, then the next stage, and then the next stage, and then the next stage. You go immediately to the top of the funnel and you start working there. And if you're not doing that productively, then you're going to waste time. And we're going to be in that red time, green time question. And you're not going to have pure selling time where you're talking to people about what it is that they're trying to fix or accomplish or avoid or what it is where they are in their buying cycle, who else needs to be involved, who else is involved. If you're not having those conversations because you don't have enough time, because you're not being effective at the top of the funnel, they're never going to get back down to the bottom of the funnel or your yield is going to be so poor. So that makes complete sense to me in terms of the places where you want to free up more green time by doing the things that you're doing. Yeah, I think you're right, Rich. The top of the funnel to me is where a lot of red time, most red time probably, because we're casting a wide net. So once you get better improving the size of your funnel, you need to quickly determine where you should focus there because you can spend a lot of time there as well. And it really depends on a number of factors. So it depends on things like deal size. It depends on things like time to close, right? So some sales cycles are much longer than others. And so you, I've seen in a lot of cases where we spend a lot of time chasing leads that are the wrong leads. So you have to make sure that the leads in the top of the funnel are quality leads. Otherwise, a very small percentage of them are going to drop to the bottom of the funnel. And so that's a big issue that a lot of sales teams struggle with is how do I progress the right leads through the process, through the funnel? But there's also red time in account management, right? So there's a bunch of red time in account management because if you're thinking about it, what are you trying to do when you're doing account management? You're trying to cross-sell, upsell, and, you know, of course, sell more of your product. We use a term here called, uh, we call it get, get, grow, and keep. So it's getting the right accounts to work with. And once you have those accounts, growing those accounts, so cross-sell, upsell within there, and then keep. And so for a company like ours, where we have sometimes an 18-month sales cycle, and it's very difficult to close a deal. And when you close a deal, you want to make sure that you service the heck out of that customer and find as many ways to work within the organizations that you're working with, and then make sure that you keep those customers. So you know, I think AI can be useful throughout the whole uh, sales and the whole sales lifecycle. Got a curiosity for you on that because of talking about kind of the cross-sell, upsell account management world. And a lot of that has turned over to this relatively newly tagged industry called CX and a whole new job category and a whole new career path. A friend of mine over in Australia recently said that 
the best way to differentiate yourself when you're selling is to sell like you've already won. And what he meant by that was, is to treat your client at the earliest stage of the sell cycle in the same fashion you would treat them if they'd been your client for three years. Provide them your best resources, be as responsive as you would be if they were your existing client rather than a prospect, but treat them and start to show them how you're going to treat them when they are your client as if you'd already won rather than having this adversarial win-lose scenario between the client and the buyer. How do you go and start to move some of that upstream into the selling process And is there anything in in what you're doing with AI that can help in that scenario? Well, you know, Rich, that most organizations get 80% of their revenue from their top 20% of their customers, right? Yep. And so, unfortunately, we've got a bad rap in sales because we tend to salespeople, uh, you know, have this reputation of focusing on the accounts that always buy from them and not really servicing the accounts uh, that are difficult to conquest. And so that creates a lot of opportunity for companies like MarketSource. We're often hired by firms that recognize they just don't have the reach to get to that other 80%, that the tail. And so we focus a lot on account management and cross-sell, upsell. But for us, it's really about one of the things that makes us really successful is we're a relationship-based selling organization. So we sell with integrity. And we have a set of values here at MarketSource and a culture that is just unsurpassed. And we're just an honest, when we survey our customers, you know, they always say that we represent their brand and we sell with integrity and we sell with honesty. And so I think that translates to what you said about treating your customers as you would as you treat them in the sales process. It's interesting, as we work with prospects, we get to know them really, really well. And they know who we are and what we're all about. And that's one of the reasons why customers not only hire us, but they stick with us. They stay with us. And so I think there's a lot to be said about um, the whole customer life cycle. And I'm not just talking about in sales. I'm talking about lifetime value of a customer. And we all know that the lifetime value of the customer is much more significant and much more important than that small little period of time where you may have that customer for six months or a year, something like that. So for me, it's more relationship-based. And you want to engage. You want to make sure that your customers know that you're important to them. They're important to you and that they're at the top of your mind. And so that's where some of the AI technology can come in, right? So you can do some things with some email bots, and you can do some things where you're sharing some information on a regular basis with your customers so that they know you're there and you're there to support them. So um, hopefully I answered your question, Rich. Perfect. Perfect. It's a conversation more than it is an answer anyway, Steve. That's uh, sort of the way it works between us. Yeah, always is. We always tend to solve some problems when we talk, don't we? We do. So last question is, uh, what's next for market source? What's in Frankenstein's laboratory of the next place that you may apply AI that you haven't put out in a couple little beta tests here and there that you're willing to talk about uh, being a game changer for you? I don't believe, and I've said this for a number of years, I don't think 
when you innovate, it's not a big bang thing to me. So it's not like we're going to invent the next iPhone here, Rich, right? So we Still people we vet out dozens of technologies a year, dozens. A fraction of those end up in our toolkit. And I'm looking for incremental improvement. I am looking for one or two things that we could do to get just that much better. So continuous improvement is a really big deal for us, as you know. It's one of my priorities. We believe in this concept called services half-life. And in any services business, including sales services, your customer's perceived value of your service diminishes by 50% every year if you don't iterate and introduce change. And so a $5 million deal after the first year in their mind is worth only two and a half million. And then the second year, it's worth even less than that, right? And so that's why we look so much at, well, we'll try anything. We'll look for a use case. We'll do a pilot and then we'll measure what kind of impact that change had. And so when I look at the types of change that you can introduce in sales to gain a little incremental improvement, you can focus on the sales process. That's where the red time, green time comes in. So if you can help eliminate some of those tasks that are not value-added tasks through the use of technology, through the use of, of automation, through the use of pattern matching and intelligence, that's one area that we're looking at. The other area is around increasing someone's skill and acumen through instructional design. So we want to make sure that our people are as knowledgeable as possible and that the quality of the conversations that they're having with their prospects and buyers is as high quality as it possibly can be and that it's a valuable conversation. And then there's some technology that we can apply in there as well. And then on top of all of that, Rich, we're starting to look at technologies that can predict the effectiveness of a salesperson in our recruiting process. So we want to make sure that when we're hiring people, we have a strong, strong degree of confidence that they're going to hit their objectives out of the gate and we're hiring the right people. And so we hire thousands of people a year. We hire thousands of salespeople every single year. And we have very, very small percentage of a fallout there. But as you know, especially for a sales outsourcer, an open seat is lost revenue. And if we're losing reps because they're just not effective and we might have missed something in the recruiting process, we would obviously want to minimize those mistakes as much as possible. So it isn't just the sales activities. For us, it's before that. It's looking at ways of assessing people in the recruiting process so that the degree of confidence that we have that they're going to be successful is as high as it possibly can be. So you know, there's a bunch of stuff that crosses my desk every single day, and some of it is interesting, and none of it is going to solve the problem. It's only going to, in my opinion, address an incremental part of it. And so for me, I'm just looking for small improvements and technologies that are going to help us uh, get an advantage. That makes complete sense. And the way you laid it out, kind of one, two, three, it kind of plays backwards to me as three, two, one, because you've got to recruit right you got to train well, and then you've got to have them drop into a process that works and is efficient. Even though you can take your process and retroactively apply it to your existing teams, at the same time, those other two pieces, based on the volume that you're hiring, the hiring and the training piece, have an awfully large impact that is maybe more than incremental. It's really interesting, Rich. I mean, for decades, we've been hearing people, process, and technology. Yeah. 
and it's still about people, process, and technology. <laughs> no doubt. I think back to what you're describing, and I first got hired into uh, my first professional career at IBM, and we had an aptitude test that was rock solid, and people complained at us because of that we shouldn't use aptitude tests, and we said, well, it discriminates, but it only discriminates against people with low aptitude, and that's not what we wanted, and then we put it, you know, I couldn't go on quota for a year because... We were serious about training, and the life has changed a bit since then. But at the same time, there was a cultural part of that where, much like the military, there was the IBM way, there's the GE way, there's the Air Force way. And the company wanted to ensure that not only did you know what you needed to know to do your job, but at the same time, that you were culturally acclimated to how we do things here. And a lot of that's gone by the wayside Mm -hmm. in a lot of companies because of the need to just hire somebody and get somebody in a seat. So putting those things into your equation for where you try and get incremental improvement using whatever technology can bring you that improvement, completely understand. Yeah, it's all about mastering your craft, right? And in any business, people perform processes using information and technology to achieve their goals and objectives. And so you just break it down in a way where you can increase the skill and acumen of the people, provide them with the right information and technology and the right processes that will help them achieve their goals and objectives. And that's really our focus here. Steve, as as I was expecting it would be, one and another in an extension of enlightening conversations, I'm certain that our listeners will grab from this all of the nuggets that they need to either go a different direction or to be reassured in the direction that they're going already. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the podcast today. It means a lot to me personally and means a lot to our listeners. And I thank you for that. You're very welcome, my friend. It's good to see you as always. And last statement I would make for folks out there looking at this world going, what do I do? I would say, try it. Give it a try. Fail fast, learn from your experience, and move on to the next thing because there is no answer. There's an answer if you don't try, that's for sure. (laughs) Most certainly is. Uh, Most most certainly certainly is. is. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to speak with you today, Rich. I've enjoyed it. You bet, Steve. And this has been AI for Sales, and I'm Rich Blakeman. And look for us on the next episode of AI for Sales. And thank you for your time. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the AI for Sales podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by ScaleX.ai, Pipeline as a Service, and BDR.ai, Always on Prospecting for LinkedIn. Visit www.ScaleX.ai if you want to transform your top of funnel prospecting machine, or visit www.BDR.ai if you want to hire a virtual BDR to do LinkedIn prospecting for you for just $500 a month. Thank you for listening to another episode of the AI for Sales podcast with Chad Burmeister. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate the ever-changing landscape of sales to help you 5x 
10x or even 100x your sales motion sales velocity through artificial intelligence. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit www.scalex.ai. Until next time.